This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT, I'm dynamite. TNT, and I will not fight. TNT, I'm a power load. <laughs> TNT, watch me Good evening, and welcome to the Andrea K Show. Right here on AM 1170 KCBQ. It is Monday. It's the happiest day of the year. It's tax day, America. I feel like I should be sitting here with my red, white, and blue shirt on and baseball cap. You know, I got I got all things that are uh, looking like a flag at home that I could have worn, right? To celebrate tax day. We got lots to celebrate here on the Andrea K Show tonight. Glad to have you all here with me. It's always an honor to share this time with you and with DJ Dijon. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> what? Was that like a fat Albert impersonation? I just wanted to throw you <laughs> off a little bit. Yeah, it did. I didn't know if maybe you had a Cheeto caught in your throat over there. He's over there munching Cheetos while I'm trying to work. Mm. I can do mush mouth, too. You what? I can do mush mouth, too. What's mush mouth? You, Fat Albert, one of the characters in Fat Albert. I don't Albert. remember Mushmouth from Fat Albert. The one with the beanie that was like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? That's so appropriate, actually, Mushmouth. Because isn't that... You know, here we are. I posted this morning on Facebook. I said, finish the sentence for me. Another week, another dot, dot, dot. And I feel like it's another week of Mushmouth. Right, Dijon? Because here we are, we're going into the primaries tomorrow, and of course we're going to cover that on the show today, but it's like, what else is new? We've got Delegate Gate going on. We've got hashtag Never Trump. We've got hashtag Never Cruise. And Dinesh D'Souza actually, I think he tweeted out this morning, I saw. He's also uh, hashtag Never Been Kissed. Is that, are you, are you making a declaration here with that? Yeah, hashtag Never Been Kissed. Yeah. You've never been kissed? <laughs> no. Oh, well, it sounded like an admission here. Don't put it out there, brother. We might have the studio might be stormed here soon with some women. But Well, then maybe I should say that. Yeah. No, don't be lying. Don't you, like Lion Ted? Well, hey, I didn't say it. That's that's what Trump's been saying about Ted. He Trump has actually come out with his latest moniker for a candidate in the race and it's actually uh for Hillary. We're going to talk about that uh, coming up a little bit in the show. Um, and I was so glad to see that because at least maybe, yes, we've got another week of the same old, same old, the mush mouth and, you know, delegate gate. And I was going to say about Dinesh D'Souza, he said, you know, hashtag never Trump, hashtag never cruise equals hashtag always Hillary. We, I was glad that Trump had decided to come up with a moniker for her. He hinted around on Hannity's show that he was going to come up with one because he's had little Marco, Lion Ted. I don't know what he said about Christie or any of the others um, in, in the race, but, you know, he said he was going to come up with something for Hillary. And I was glad because we've got to, as a party, turn our attention away from the mush mouth attacks against each other and put our attacks where they belong. Today is tax day. This is a day that, you know, it used to be, 
I don't remember what the day of the year is now, but it used to be that you had to work up until today to pay off what you're going to owe to the federal government for income taxes on average. And then it get, got pushed into, you know, May and then June. You know, I think most people are into August before they've paid off their debt to the government and actually then get to keep their money. And it's actually not a debt. We use that expression as though this is money that we owe the government. We don't owe the government money. However your taxes flush out, you don't owe the government money. This is our property. Little by little, every American has been conditioned to be under complete control of the government. And in 2016 general election for the president's um office this presidential race it is the tipping point we talk about the tipping point when it comes to taxes that when we have more takers than we have makers that's when we reach implosion and there's articles coming out right now that it's 45% aren't paying any income tax 47% aren't aren't paying we're really at that tipping point now of course every american pays out the hiney for taxes because we are taxed everywhere we go on anything everything every minute of the day everything we buy everything we consume somehow gets taxed so i don't want to imply unfairly that There are 45% of Americans pay no taxes whatsoever. That's not true because we all, and and the reason why I think it is important to say that is because it should be a part of the warning cry to Americans economically that in spite of all the taxes that we pay as a citizenry, we are still $17 trillion in debt. We have not conquered the war on poverty. All these trillions of dollars of taxing and spending and taxing and spending has done nothing to help us and further us economically. In fact, we are worse off than we have ever been. And the liberals have decided to try to continue to perpetuate the lie on the American people that the solution is to just give them more money. To continue to double down on what has not been working for the American people since they decided to take us, you know, they to to make us progress. We all know, those of us who pay attention and know history and know economics and know political systems, there's nothing progressive about trying to take us all the way back to the USSR or try to implement policies that, you know, took over Cuba many years ago and are failing the people there. And, of course, every time a socialist or Marxist system has been implemented, it's resulted in uh, the murder on mass of its people because it's all about control. And the Republican Party really needs to get together every time. I don't care who it is. I don't care whether it's Kasich. I don't care whether it's Trump or whether it's Cruz right now. Every time I'm hearing attacks going, at least Trump is taking it to Hillary because what I'm hearing from Kasich and Cruz is nothing but anti-Trump stuff. We have got to keep our eye on the ball because in the meanwhile, the American people, you know, I've heard Republicans say now for six months, oh, there's no way Bernie can get the nomination. Really? He's about to beat her in New York. It's It's taking our freedoms economically as well for granted and putting too much faith in the American people that they could never vote for socialism. That's led us really to where we are. Because we've been on a march here for a long time, and the Republican Party has done nothing to stop it. That's been a huge reason for why Trump is where he is, because the Republican Party have funded every bit of it, including bringing refugees here that want to come here and take us over from within and implement a centralized system of power, Sharia, here on the American people. So on tax day today... I put it out there. Are you feeling patriotic? Because remember, Joe Biden said, you know, he, he said that to, to pay taxes is patriotic. 
It should make us feel good to pay taxes. No, it should make us feel good to have as much money in our, of our, be allowed to keep. Not be allowed to keep, but to keep and decide for ourselves what we do with our own property. Make decisions for ourselves who we help from a charity and philanthropic standpoint. In fact, if you look at solutions that have involved money going to, to help people that were impoverished or as the result of suffering as some sort of calamity like Katrina. It was private organizations, particularly private religious organizations, funded by private citizens taking money out of their own pocket to support those organizations and help people. We are the most philanthropic nation in the world. We do not need a government to take our money from us, supposedly under the guise of helping people, when we know that what they're going to end up doing is send money to Pakistan, uh, send money to the Muslim Brotherhood, and continue to fund systems that want to destroy us from within. I meant to pull a clip from an audio tape of a caliphate conference going on in Turkey. It was just last week. You know, the left loves to tell us that there's no problem with Islam. Oh, there's, you know, a billion of them around the world. There's only a small percentage that wants to take us over. That's not true. The definition of Islam is conquest. And there was an imam over there at the caliphate conference in Turkey, basically declaring that it is their job to wage jihad and destroy Europe, the West, and and Israel. In fact, we had a bombing today in Israel. But it's all about power and control. And that's why we have a Republican Party in cahoots with the Democrat Party, all trying to keep control and centralize it for themselves. I'm seeing very little daylight between the parties. And I think that that's another reason why we've got Ryan Sorba, who's going to be on the show. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk to Ryan Sorba about the the primaries. And we're going to talk about um, uh, what's going on with the delegate situation. We're going to talk about Ryan's Priebus and a couple of controversial things that he has supposedly said. Um, you know, the rules are what they are, granted, but there's a lot of Americans that are kind of waking up to the rules and saying, you know what, I don't really like this system. I'm kind of torn on the delegate system. I appreciate the fact that we are a republic, and that means that we have a representative government, and that includes the Electoral College. And there was a push by there's been a push by the Democrats to take it to a populist vote in the general election. And we don't want that to happen because then you're going to have, you know, almost where we are right now, where you've got New York and California deciding things pretty much because of of the size of their populations. But when it comes to the state level, you know, and I'm also for state states rights. But when I'm looking at the state level in this delegate situation, it's just even if even if it made sense at one point, I think there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, we need to look at these rules just like we need to look at the tax code and say, you know what, this isn't working. This isn't working when we are taxing and spending and we're still broke and nobody's better off. We got to look at that. We got to maybe look at abolishing this tax code and doing something simpler and taking it down to a flat tax. What's wrong with looking at the system here? What's wrong with people saying, you know what? I can believe in a representative government. I can, I can believe that there's value in the delegate system and value in the electoral college system and also see that there's crap that's going on behind the scenes with it that absolutely subverts the will of the voters. And so what my message should be to the, is to the, the Cruz campaign, including their supporters is, why the hesitation to allow anybody to criticize the system or to ask questions about it? What's that old saying? Um, to see who rules over you, find out who you can't criticize. 
There's something wrong going on there. So we're going to get into that with Ryan Sorba. We also have Bob Scales, Major General Bob Scales from Fox News is going to be on because Russia has been aggressive. Remember in the 2012 presidential campaign when in that foreign policy debate where Mitt Romney backed down again when Obama said to him, hey, Mitt, you know, the 90s have called. They want their foreign policy back. Well, look who's the aggressor now. Now we got a whole lot of people saying that Russia is the greatest threat that we face. I'm not sure I agree with that yet. I'm going to pose that question to Bob Scales and talk to him about that. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. We're also going to talk about SCOTUS and the hearing today for DAPA and the Dreamers Act. So don't go anywhere because this is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? Levita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, Levita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LevitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Miramar Kitchen Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. I was over in Vegas this weekend. I got to tell you a little bit about that. It was a fabulous weekend. I was dynamite in a dress over there. Not so much, though, on the video poker machine. It was more like the machine was a little much dynamite against me. So the good news is, is I'm not really much of a gambler. So I was, you know, I only, I only blew five bucks. You know, I threw five bucks at the cause over there, but I had a great weekend. I think I did the most damage on the fried lobster mac and cheese that I had at Vic and Anthony's, which was Pretty incredible. If you've never had (laughs) fried lobster mac and cheese, I definitely recommend it. I ate a bowl of it the size of my head. It was amazing and worth every calorie and fat gram, and I don't even care. Basically what they did, I will tell you about this. They took an entire big lobster tail, battered, dipped it, and deep fried it, and set it on a bed of mac and cheese that had pieces of lobster chopped throughout it. You heard me. It was as amazing as it sounds. It was awesome. Um, what's not awesome, though, is kind of what's going on with this whole primary situation and the infighting that continues and continues and continues. It's just getting it seems like it's getting worse, although some people are saying that Trump has actually kind of backed off a little bit with his fighting. And now he's kind of turned it uh, in, in is 
aiming at Hillary now. He's come up with a moniker for her, which we're going to talk about in a little bit because a um, there's a new article that's come out from uh, the uh, you know a former Justice Department official who's talking about Hillary and saying you know there's more than one way to bag Clinton associates. So we're going to talk about Hillary a little bit later. Um, but tomorrow is a huge primary day. We actually had um, a primary, but no, we didn't in Wyoming over the weekend, but I don't know what it was because it was a voterless thing going on. I don't know how much it was like Colorado. It's almost enough to make me want to jab myself in the eyeball with a pen. Joining me to talk about that, though, is the Andrea K. Show friend, Ryan Sorba. Hey, Ryan, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Thanks, Andrea. Great to be here. Um, okay, so I was glad to be able to go to Vegas this weekend, a little bit of business, a lot of fun going on. So I could like tune out some of what's been happening with this whole delegate situation. It is far too complicated for most people to pay attention to. And because it has not been an issue for many people, um, well, really at all for decades now, the American people didn't really, the Republicans didn't, not, unless you were really one of the delegates and really active the average American has no idea what the process is. Now they're looking at it and they're hearing stories like Trump goes into Louisiana and wins by popular vote and then leaves and then in comes somebody who came in second or third, schmoozes some inside insiders, delegates, which is all a part of the rules and the way it works. And, you know, that kind of thing has happened. And then you've got Colorado, who, you know, made some decisions a year ago, the party bigs did, which kept a vote out. Um, it's raising a lot of questions for people on this. I didn't pay attention to Wyoming. What happened with Wyoming and what do we need to know about New York? Well, it looks like Donald Trump's going to win New York. So that that is in the bag. But when it comes to these states like Colorado and Wyoming, et cetera, um, they have had rules in place in which uh, the convention delegates and the convention Republican bigwigs can get together behind closed doors and determine who their nominee is going to be uh, if they so choose. And that is a rule that is on the books. Therefore, technically, it is fair. However, it is disheartening to voters who are supporting a particular candidate because it's like the party bigwigs are deciding for them. And I, I think the biggest picture, I think the thing that makes me feel a little bit better about all of this is that what we're seeing with Donald Trump and to an extent with Ted Cruz is a rejection of the GOP establishment elites. And what's happening with Wyoming and Colorado, et cetera, is you're seeing the GOP elites attempting to continue to do what they have been doing, which is dictate to the individual voters what's going to happen and to go against what they, their will. And because of that, voters are getting ticked. And, I mean, the GOP establishment is now, I think, less popular than ever. Right. And I think that's a good thing because so many of them are rhinos. They're right. Republicans in name only. They just want to get a trip to, you know, they want to be ambassador to this country. They want to be on this committee. They want that pension. They're just 
basically basically they're like liberals because that's what the Democrats do. And now, though, Ryan's Priebus, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And, you know, what Trump has been doing is working for him, whether he's got a legitimate argument or not. He's got the American people feeling as though uh, his nomination is being stolen from him to the degree to where now Ryan's Priebus is under fire because he supposedly sent out emails to people in, I guess, in Florida pre their their state convention in which they come up with their own rules and you know Trump won Florida and I think uh, if if I'm understanding the story right and I don't know if you've if you read up on this but I guess he's concerned that if Florida goes down there to their state convention and changes the rules in a way that's detrimental to Trump that all heck's going to break loose with Republican voters. And so whether you like that or not, it's now, and I don't know how Florida is going to respond, but I'm kind of liking the fact that the, that basically the RNC is getting the message. It's working. It's, you know, basically saying don't tamper with the will of the people. But then you've got these other people, Ryan, saying, look, we are Repub- we are a republic. We're not a democracy. There's a value to the uh, delegate system as well as to the electoral college, because if you do it basically off the popular vote, then you're going to have overly populated areas making the decisions for everybody. And I kind of think that that makes sense for a general election argument, but I'm not thinking it makes so much sense at a state level because, you know, if you've got a state level doing a primary and everybody gets to vote, you know, how, how is, you know, it's going to go on the total vote for that state. It's not going to necessarily, unless you weight it somehow with districts, then, you know, one vote, for one person, and I'm kind of thinking on a state level, I'm kind of liking that system better. Yeah, no, I I mean, you need to have the full support of your party when you're going into the general election. You don't want to have a divided party going in into a general election. So I agree with you, and the people's will needs to be heard. And But but I think that there's a, a larger picture here, almost like a climactic situation, I think that what you're going to start to see is a new rise of the grassroots of the of the Tea Party. Maybe it's not called the Tea Party this time. Maybe it's a different under a different name. But you're going to see the grassroots Republican base get more power. This whole struggle between the establishment and Trump and the Cruz supporters and the Trump supporters. They're you know Ted Cruz isn't known as you know, the sort of uh, Marco Rubio of, of the Senate. Ted Cruz right. is a little bit of an outlier, too. Right. He's kind of willing to shuck the establishment. So you're seeing two anti-establishment candidates going up against each other, and you're seeing the the establishment GOP rhinos, the popularity at an all-time low. And, and I think that whatever happens here, that establishment – kind of moxie that they walk around with like they're better than everybody else um and they're more moderate and more liberal and they compromise too much i think that they're the ones that in the end are really going to get hurt by all of this by the whole process whether it's cruz or trump but i still think trump can do it I think, I think, well, he can. I think if he gets 90 something, I don't remember what the threshold is. If he wins New York, he's, he's currently polling at 52.6%. So I, I, my understanding was that, that if he won with more than 50%, he would get all the delegates awarded to him. Um, while New York is its own animal, kind of like California, I want to talk about that in a minute. Um, because you are a representative, a uh, president of, um, young conservatives here in California. Um, what's concerning to me for Cruz is, is that 
if you look at New York, which is an, maybe considered an outlier as a state, he's only polling at 17.9%. And there's a whole lot in New York that's conservative. And I'm looking at New York and I'm looking at other states where, yeah, he's done a great job with the grassroots on the ground, his ground game. And I'm wondering, and John Cardillo put it this way this morning on his show, how is that going to translate to votes in the general election? The argument against Trump, in other words, for so many in the Cruz campaign is that Trump, 60-something percent don't want Trump. Well, I'm looking at Cruz Ryan and I'm looking and seeing mm-hmm. 70% don't want him right. for some when you still have 20 something percent voting for Kasich that's as much no. an anti-Cruz vote as that is an anti-Trump vote and I think that the Cruz campaign and Cruz supporters I think need to take the little bit of the blinders off and realize there's an issue with Cruz in terms of likability that's what I read into these numbers oh you're absolutely right and you can see it even without analyzing the numbers I mean I just talked to other California conservatives um, and, and the conservative ones, not the squishy moderate California people, but the solid conservatives. And they say that Ted Cruz needs to stop making this sort of acting appearance. You know, the way he we're going to get him and we're going to take him down. You know, he does this whole presidential like voice and he just needs to talk normal and uh, talk to people, you know, just like a normal person. And, and he, he's. He's a little bit nerdy. He he is. Right. And I well, think I think it's that litigator in him. Excuse me for interrupting. I think it's that uh, that litigator in him. I think that he's. I think his manner of speaking sounds to me like somebody who's arguing a case in front of a jury, and that type of theatrical style may work in that setting, mm-hmm. but I don't think it works in retail politics. And I think even worse, um, the constant mocking of Trump, and now they're putting out their um, bibs online on the Cruz campaign. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. that. What all that yeah. does is diminish Cruz, because now you've lowered yourself, Cruz, to Trump's level. So now you're not only not coming across as likable, but now you're actually doing the very behavior that you're criticizing Trump for. So you're not winning anybody over with that. And, you know, I really would like to see Trump and Cruz come together pre-convention. I don't believe that the establishment people that are that are behind the scenes working for Cruz right now really want him to be their guy. I think that the crew, I think Cruz is being used a little bit of, of a pawn. Either way, the majority when you there's another poll that came out, if no delegate won the majority, what do you think should happen? The voter said the one with 62% said the one with most votes, not most delegates, mm. most 62%, the one with most votes should win. Uh, 33% said the best party standard bearer. And to me, when I looked at the best party standard bearer, 33% number, it reminded me of back in 2012 when we just had our hat handed to us with Mitt Romney, that my argument then, Ryan, was that the Republican Party continued to not have a standard bearer because we didn't have a core agenda and a core belief system that the Republican Mm. Party was putting forth. The Democrats put their agenda forth all day, every day. It doesn't matter who it is. You are exactly right, and I'll tell you who's at fault. It's it's the, the older generation from the 1960s YAF years, Young Americans for Freedom. During that time... You had a whole bunch of traditionalists and a whole bunch of libertarians, and they hated each other with a passion. The libertarians and the traditionalists had literally almost nothing in common except for the notion that they'd better hang together or else they're all going to hang separately. Because 
they disagreed on almost everything. And to this day, you've basically got kind of three groups. You've got the traditionalists, you've got the libertarians, and then you've got the, the climbers, the people that just want power. And the people that just want power will kind of placate to either side, depending on who is going to be more uh, uh, effective to give them more power and more money. And so these are the three groups that you've got. And the traditionalists appeal to the pro-immigration people, the traditional values people, um, you know, all that sort of thing. And the libertarians are kind of the business. They don't want to get involved with the religious side. And it's a constant war. So the GOP is constantly finding itself in an identity crisis. Every year at CPAC, we see it go down with who's going to get invited to speak and who isn't. Uh, and and who's going to show up and who's going to boycott? The GOP is in a in an extended period of who am I? Who are we? Is 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 we're in an identity crisis and it right. needs to get solved? Yeah, and uh, the, but the voters have kind of said. I think the Republican Party voters in in general sent a message through Trump, who they think the core. Value system, mm-hmm. what they think the core belief system and the yes. core agenda of the Republican Party should be. Seal the dang borders. Yep. Stop, you know what I mean? Seal the borders and stop Obamacare, which was representative of a couple of things. The, the borders and Obamacare both represented an overreach of the executive branch that was a concern to the people. But Obamacare represented failed economics as well to the people. They, they finally saw it. The American people said, okay, you, you shoved this piece of crap on us economically, uh-huh. took over a sixth of our economy for, for your, you know, healthcare scheme. Everybody, you know, uh, Everybody's costs went up. Their deductibles went up. It was a financial disaster. Do something about it. And the Republican Party betrayed everybody. To me, real simple, you know, but the Republican Party wants to get into all kinds of, you know, other stuff because you're right. They don't really have a core belief. And if the Republican Party. mm -hmm. Go ahead. I think what we need is a new rise of fusionism, which was uh, Frank Myers philosophy at National Review, which was. It, I mean, it was this notion that traditionalists and libertarians need to work together for it's it's sort of like libertarian means to traditionalist ends. But the problem is, like you say, is the social climbers get in there and they do nothing. They ignore the voters. They ignore the principles that motivate the electorate to vote and to get active. And then people just give up. People are ready right. to give up, like throw in the towel, like the country's done. There's nothing we can even do anymore. Because nobody listens to us or actually gets anything done. The Democrats get something done. Barack Obama got his Obamacare passed. He's been letting people through the borders. Why are the Democrats letting people through the borders? They're letting people through the borders because they know that these people are going to vote Democrat if they get amnesty. And George Soros has a, his, his Democracy for America project has an entire plan that's outlined on the Internet for anybody to read that it was leaked, a leaked document, that they wanted to funnel these illegal aliens into Texas Georgia and Arizona, and then redistrict in 2020. And mm-hmm. at that time, try to take over at least one of those states, which would ensure them a, a Democratic presidential victory for the next so many, you know, presidential election cycles, because that would put them at the tipping point. And so these are the kind of sinister plots and plans that the Democrats have. And we're over here like, I'm just voting Republican. I don't really have a plan, you know, and, and, and our elites, they don't listen to us. They're not motivated to do what we need them to do. And, well, they don't. You know, I, I don't. Down. It's like you said, I think the bottom line is, as I, as I have to wrap up here, I think that the reason why Romney couldn't sell conservatism in 2012 it, with his it, himself and with his advisors class um, 
like the one who's advising Cruz right now, by the way, I won't mention his name, uh, as well as um, in, in 2008. In fact, Romney's advisors were the same ones from McCain's failed uh, campaign in 2008. Oh. They don't believe in conservatism. That's why True. they can't sell it, because you can't sell what you don't believe in True. versus the left. The left doesn't worry about they push their agenda all day, every day, and they push the most far left form of it. And they don't worry about whether or not they're they're uh, they're, they're Trump, Andrea. That's what I love about Trump is he is not afraid to be the spearhead to push the issues forward. Right. You have to anchor the debate further to the right so that when you compromise, you get what you want. And our side is always playing defense. It's almost like implied in the whole notion of conservatism, but it doesn't have to be that we're just going to defend the status quo constantly, even as the status quo moves left. But what we need to be doing is pushing the envelope further to the right so that when we compromise, we're still getting at least something that we want. Right. And no and everybody's too afraid of getting called a name or an right. ad hominem attack for doing that. And it's pathetic and that's one thing that Trump Yeah, because they st- right, because they still call us those names anyway. What have we yes. accomplished, Ryan, by by caving under the threat mm-hmm. of being, you know, called a, a nasty name? They turn right around and call us the nasty name because they're just about yep. pushing their agenda. Uh Ryan Sorba, president of Youth Conservatives for California. How can people get more information on you and your group? Uh, just go to ryansorba.com, sign up uh, for the emails on the right side of my blog. And then the Young Conservatives of California website's all, also up. Uh, you can sign up for emails there. And thank you very much for having me. I had a great time, and it's always good talking to you, Andrew. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan. Have a great day. You too. Okay. I am way past a break. We're going to take a real quick one, and then we're going to get Major General Bob Scales on the line to talk about what's going on with Russia. And is Obama sending more troops over into Afghanistan? Is that going to do anything? Hey, more of the Andrea K. Show on the other side of the break. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Spelled K A Y E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. So much fun in Vegas listening to. I found a phenomenal '80s uh, cover band that was just out on Fremont Street. I've kind of, I kind of like in downtown Vegas. You know, I was always a strip gal. Liked to always stayed like the upscale places, but they've remodeled the Nugget, and it's super nice now. And Fremont Street's kind of cool. They've got great outdoor patios, and they had a phenomenal '80s cover band. So that was that was super cool. Do you so, remember their name? They uh, always have awesome names like Led Zeppelin. Oh, it wasn't like it was something Ferrari. They were out of Minnesota, Minnesota, and they were selling bratwurst. So they were awesome, by the way. You know who's awesome? You know who's bad to the bone? Major General Bob Scales. He's back with me on the Andrea K. Show. Hey, Bob, welcome back. <laughs> hey, Andrew, good to be back. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of bad to the bone, that Putin's bad to the bone, right? He's fearless and he's been getting aggressive. Or is it not? Is is these situations that have occurred with these Russian planes, I mean, is it just like overblown or is this serious aggression? What do you think? 
Well, remember, uh, Vladimir Putin has a global national strategy that's working beautifully, and it's based on two things. Number one is maintaining the absolute unquestioned allegiance of his own people. And number two, it's to split apart the NATO alliance so Russia can expand through these so-called information wars. Uh, further, uh, their influence can expand further and further, uh, further to the West. And these shenanigans that are going on with his aircraft and so forth are nothing more than a means to an end, a means for him to push back against the Europeans, to convince the Europeans that America will not be there uh, uh, when, they, when they need us, and to convince the Russian people that he is a bare-chested, horseback-riding, <laughs> surfing minch. Uh, who, he surfs? Uh, I didn't know he is, surfed. He was bigger than life. Yeah, well, I didn't know he surfed. That might actually make for some funny film to see that. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, now people are saying, I was talking earlier in the show that in 2012, when Mitt Romney talked about Russia, Obama famously said, hey, you know, the 90s want their foreign policy back. Well, now people are saying, Bob, that Russia really is our number one threat. And I'm going, well, he may be a threat, but I mean, I still kind of think the threat of Islam and ISIS is a greater threat. What do you think the number one threat is we face? I I testified before Congress last Wednesday and uh, Senator Inhofe asked me that question, specific question, and I said, yeah, uh, because they're the world's largest owner of nuclear weapons and because they're headed by a nutcase and because they're setting literally astride, uh, you know, uh, Western civilization, that over the long term, I think Russia is a more existential threat. But what makes it so difficult for our young men and women in uniform who have to plan for the future is that the thing that overlays all of this is the global aggression of ISIS and the prospect, God forbid, that someday ISIS will have nuclear weapons. So back in my day, back in the old, good old days of the Cold War, Mm -hmm. uh, my army only had to focus on one thing, and that was the Soviet Union. Today, you've got a a whole menagerie of bad actors from Russia, North Mm -hmm. Korea, Iran and ISIS, and we have a declining defense budget to address us. It does not portend well for the future, Andrea. Yeah, and we also, it seems to me, and I could be wrong, you're on the inside with the DOD and I'm not, but it also seems as though the culture has been infiltrated, and now it's about political correctness. We're actually, I I read that the Army's been given seminars against white privilege. You know, um, you know, we've, we've got, uh, Nadal Hassan with Warrior for Allah on a, on a card that represents the United States government and, yeah. you know, who goes into Fort Hood and, you know, mass murders unarmed armed forces. So, yeah, you know, it's, a, a lot of this is getting ridiculous. What I testified to last Wednesday, and this will be in the Wall Street Journal tomorrow, uh, what I testified to is this, all of a sudden craziness is the administration wakes up one morning and says the greatest national security threat to the nation is climate change. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, where the hell did that come from? Why all of a sudden is a, uh, is an increase in air temperature uh, a cause for us to go to war? Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, this would be humorous and, you know, useful on late night uh, uh, shows if the DOD wasn't 
forcing the military to put climate change into its operational orders and budgeting tens of billions of dollars for our soldiers, women, men and women in uniform, what? I don't know, to go out and fill sandbags? I, I, well, I just don't yeah, know. What, is, what is a marching order that has to do with climate change? And oh, by the way, I posted an article this morning, somebody had actually posted on my Facebook wall showing Colorado under snow, you know, the global warming. <laughs> it's it, it, it would be funny, if not tragic, that there are That's Americans true. that actually believe that that is a great Greater threat, you know. Meanwhile, uh, you know, what's the? Where's the evidence that climate change had anything to do with that woman who studied at a madras in Pakistan who came here uh, under a false address and then perpetrated with her husband the single greatest terrorist attack here in San Bernardino after 9-11. You know, I'm concerned that we've got an American people, Bob, that actually are believing this kind of hooey. And, you know, I'm hearing, you you know, we've got Americans that seem like they're okay with even bringing refugees here uh, after the after ISIS has already said their intention is is to uh, take come in through the refugees and take us over. I, I think the one thing that bothers me more than anything else as a former soldier, just picture the image of a of a young soldier coming off a very dangerous mission in Afghanistan and going to the mess hall and having some DOD official stand up in front of him and say, the news is that your political and military bosses aren't worried about ISIS or the Taliban. We want to tell you that your new enemy is climate change. The problem with that is over time, our young men and women begin to lose faith uh, in the competence and indeed the sanity of their leadership when they're out exchanging bullets with the Taliban and the people inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C. are waxing eloquently about rising temperatures. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe this in a way explains the political climate today because these young men and women are mostly blue-collar kids and they listen to this and they shake their heads and they say, who's in charge of our nation? Right, and and especially when we've got the chain of command where you're supposed to just – you receive your orders and you, and you march. You right. do what you were told to do. And and I can't imagine being in a position to where I have to, you know, I believe in the chain of command and military bearing and all that. And I got to and I got to go. That's who I'm getting my orders from. Somebody, or, or, you know, I, I can't imagine sitting in a conference room and being told about white privilege, you know, and being lectured on that. When yeah. we've got the threats that we face, and yeah, why do fact, we still have you in, in, before Congress? In, in fact, a quick anecdote: as she, mm-hmm. the, the woman who went after me in these hearings was Senator Boxer from your state, oh, and and the last thing she said to me, she basically, uh, in a in a sense, accused me of being a traitor because I would dare disagree with the Department of Defense that connected climate change uh, to uh, uh, you know to 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 national security and going to war. I mean, can you imagine somebody on a dais accusing a a witness in front of the Senate of being disloyal simply wow. because they disagreed with my government? Yeah. Whatever happened to the First Amendment? Yeah. Anyway? Well, you know, especially since John Kerry is a hero, you know, and and you know, he he certainly uh, criticized a few people back in his day. Was Bar- wasn't Barbara Boxer though the one who uh, criticized a military great for calling her ma'am? 
Yeah. Yeah. I was I was very careful to call her senator because I didn't want to go there. But, yeah. Well, she doesn't uh, deserve but, to be called ma'am, by the way, Bob, because to me, that's that's a sign of respect. And, you know, if she doesn't have she has that little respect for you that she would accuse you of being a traitor. Then, you know, really, she's she's treasonous in my mind. She's the traitor. And, you know, it's disturbing to me how, you know, how far we've sank as, as a nation. I just wonder what Patton would say if he were around. What would he be saying about this foolishness? Patton would say that the best way to control the hearts and minds of the enemy is to kill them. Uh, that sort of solves the conundrum right there. That's a typical Patton yeah. statement. In fact, he said it quite often and in Europe. Yeah, isn't that what Mad Dog Mattis said too? I read oh, some of his Jim quotes. Yeah, like dear friend. Yeah, yes. I read some of his quotes because there, there's some people behind the scenes that supposedly are raising money and hoping that he will, you know, be be a name that gets brought up at the convention. I personally don't see that happening because no, I think that no, it's, no. it's it's already there's already enough problems. But you know, he is a hero. And are the rumors true that he was pushed out by the Obama? Administration? Oh, I don't think they're rumors. I think they're absolute truth. I mean, just run down the list. Uh, uh, Petraeus, McChrystal, Mattis, Allen. You can just walk down the list of true warfighters, gentlemen who I think are transformational in their ability to fight and win our nation's wars that are simply pushed out uh, for saying something that perhaps might be uh, mildly impolitical. Remember, George Patton slapped three soldiers, mm-hmm. told people in the United States that we were going to go to war with Russia, said all kinds of terrible things. But Eisenhower uh, and Marshall and President Roosevelt knew that the presence of George Patton on the battlefield in Europe could, was going to save hundreds of thousands of American lives, and they kept it. Whereas today, if a general steps one inch over the line, regardless of his skill and talent and his ability to keep people alive in combat, like Mattis, they're gone. Right. Uh, We're talking to Major General Bob Scales from Fox News and book author. In fact, he's got a book coming out soon, speaking of Mattis, who I think wrote the foreword for it. You dedicated the book to him, right? I did dedicate it to Mattis. The book is called Scales on War, and it's all the thoughts that I've collected over the last 25 years and uh, distilled into a series of, I think, very, very poignant, very open and very honest uh, ideas about the future of our military. Yeah, well, and also, you know, I read the dedication to Mattis that you emailed me and I read some uh, some other information that you sent about the book and about what, what happened with programs that you were working on. And, you know, I'm the daughter of two Marines. I love the military and I want to thank you so much for your service and, and for your dedication, you know, to the military that continues. You know, you may be retired, but you're still actively working on behalf of our uh, of our military. And I thank you for that. I can't let you go, though, without asking you about NATO, because Trump said some comments that supposedly were controversial when he said maybe America needs to ask some of these other countries involved to start paying for it. And maybe we're not you know, maybe NATO needs to be revamped. What's, yeah, what do you well, think? I, I, I talked to Khalid Ferris about that, who's an advisor to Trump the other day in the green room. And I hate, you know, I have to say Trump has got a point. I mean, NATO is what, 70 years old? Mm-hmm. It was originally put together to face off against the Soviet Union. Well, the world has changed. Uh, Europe is facing massive immigration. Vladimir Putin is on the rise. Uh, European nations are faced with all kinds of stresses that go beyond merely going, you know, mano a mano against the Soviet Union. 
Union. Mm-hmm. So it does now need a new look. Does it need to be thrown out? Uh, thrown out? No. But I don't think Donald Trump ever really said that. Right. I think what he said is, we live in a new age. When I, if I become president, I'm going to take a look at all of our alliances and make sure they're up to date. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I don't either. Particularly when isn't NATO the headquarters Brussels? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hello. Yeah, yeah, where, I mean, what were you hello. doing, NATO I mean, peeps? Yeah. Y'all sleeping on the job over there? I mean, come on. Yeah, you know, you're y- absolutely right. Absolutely correct. And 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 remember now, NATO isn't NATO without the United States. Number one. Number two, Vladimir Putin's sworn commitment in his presidency is to break apart and dismember NATO and to separate East from West. Uh, over the the Russian threat and north from south over the immigration uh, uh, problem. And he is, so far at least, being pretty successful at it, Andrew. Mm. Well, thank you so much for being here. When can people get your book? Uh, It'll be out in September. Be late August or early September. Anyway. All right. Well, you promise you'll come back on and talk about it when oh, it does? Oh, you bet. All right. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Okay, my friend. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back. We're going to talk a little bit about SCOTUS today. Like Bob said, immigration is still a hot topic, and we're going to talk about that. So don't go anywhere. It's the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer <laughs> I don't know if y'all recognize that music or not but it's from close up on San Diego business radio show that I did for a couple of years which was such a joy for me you know really small business is the lifeblood of our economy and you know what Dijon you do not even know how appropriate that song was because I am bringing a little bit of close-up on San Diego business to the Andrea K show actually starting tomorrow um, not just because I love business so much and I love to celebrate business but also because the listeners have been asking me for more economic and business related 
related content for like when we have a minimum wage story or anything. There's so many economic stories out there that um, some of which I have a good working knowledge of and some I don't because it's been a long time since I studied business. So we're going to do a little San Diego business spotlights on Tuesday, spotlighting local business and celebrating entrepreneurs, as well as having some experts uh, come on the show and talk about their area of expertise. Tomorrow, I've got Kalyan Pokola from Pokola Law, an awesome B-Law attorney here in San Diego. In fact, when I filled in for Craig Sewing on the American Dream TV show week before last, I had Kalyan on and I just had so much fun talking to him about um, labor law issues and employment issues and just small business. And he's got a great playbook out there for businesses to help, you know, launch startups. San Diego is an entrepreneur startup town. We love it here. Um, since this is tax day, we're also going to be talking a little bit about taxes tomorrow. I've got my old buddy going back to when I did biz talk radio is going to be here tomorrow. My Spicoli, my buddy Al Arias from AV Arias is going to be here. I could not even be more excited to have Al. Um, he's going to come on the show. I don't know how often I'm going to be able to get him on because he's busy, but I'm just going to ha- be happy to have him on tomorrow. So you're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that. Um, immigration. This morning, SCOTUS heard the arguments for United States versus Texas. And what this has to do with is the DREAM Act. It's not, but it's not really about the ages of the people involved or any of that. And it's not even necessarily about immigration. It is about immigration, but that's really the symptom to the problem. What this case is really about is it's about executive power because before Obama did his Dreamers Act, where he basically issued blanket, uh, deportation waivers and issued all, you know, permits for work permits. Uh, first, he did it in 2012 for the Dreamers under 18, and then he did it in 2014 for the 4.3 million, supposedly, we don't really know exact numbers, of the parents here in 2014. He did this after he went around for I don't know how many years as Mr. You know, constitutional you know, professor saying that he did not have the power. In fact, he, I think he was on Telemundo. He apologized to the Hispanic community that you know he complained about that awful constitution that kind of prevented him from doing what he turned around and did, which was to basically, according to the lower court, so he does these waivers and, and basically through executive order and an overreach does everything that I already described to you. Michelle Malkin has a great article on this. Um, uh, initially, a group of federal immigration customs enforcement people, the state of Mississippi and Joe Arpaio filed lawsuits against it. They lost on that for standing as though there was no injury. And then Texas is like, wait a second, there is injury because economically it's killing us to have all these illegals here, not to mention the crime associated. A lower court then said that, um, you know what? Uh, you're right that basically the president did not have the power to do this. So it will be interesting now that we don't have Antonin Scalia and we've got a 4-4 court as to what's going to happen with this. To me, this has major, incredible implications for America. When we have a president, it's about America continuing to be America as it once was with three co-equal branches or a banana republic. That's really what this case is about. And we should all be paying attention to it. Another case that's back a little bit in the news is, um, you know, Trump's got a new name for a candidate and it's Crooked Hillary. And I love it. 
And I hope it sticks because we got to start taking it to Hillary as a Republican Party. And an ex-DOJ official says the FBI is going to take it to Hillary. Maybe if not Hillary, but he says that he predicts that there's one way to bag Clinton and her associates. And it's that they will, because of political reasons, have to be interviewed by the FBI. And when you get interviewed by the pros at the FBI, they're going to trip you up. And he predicts indictments. We got to keep our eyes out. On this, he says the Clinton Foundation is actually the way to get at her and her associates even more than the Espionage Act and her emails. Let's keep the eye on the ball. It's on Hillary, and it's on the overreach from the Obama administration. It's about getting America back to what we were about. Hey, I'm going to be right back here tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, AM 1170 KCBQ. Follow me on Twitter and Andrea K. Show. Friend me on Facebook. Let's keep the conversation rolling. Love you all. Have a great night.